What's up, friends? Before we hop into the show, got to tell you about the delicious, smooth Strava Craft Coffee. Strava Craft Coffee isn't just delicious coffee. It's infused with CBD, and CBD helps with aches, pains, migraines, headaches, anything that's going on in your body. It helps relieve those aches and pains, and also it helps with the coffee jitters, so it's a great one-two punch to get the caffeine but not get the jitters, and it has another one-two punch with it, and that is if you use D- the Magical code. DNVR20 on your first order, you'll save 20%. And then if you subscribe and you'll save 20% every single order after that. And you don't have to enter your credit card information every single time when you subscribe. And you can have the coffee shipped to you every two, three, six, four, or eight weeks at that 20% price uh, off when you subscribe to Strava Craft Coffee. So make sure to check them out. Use that magical code DNVR20 for 20% off and then subscribe. Subscribe to Strava Craft Coffee and save 20% on every single order after that. All right, Mace, let's hop into the show. Welcome into the DNVR Broncos podcast on this terrific Tuesday edition. I'm your host, Zach Stevens, joined by my main man, Andrew Mason. Before we hop in to GM Search 2020, Mace, got to tell the good people about our presenting sponsor, MSU Denver Online. Guys, now is the time to apply and register for classes with the spring semester starting next week, one week from today, starting on January 19th, and it's not too late to get in. You can still register for classes right now. So make sure to check them out because boy, there is no better way to combat economic downturn and uncertainty than with a degree in MSU Denver. You can get that. You can get a full degree. You can take specific classes to build your resume. So make sure to check them out. msudenver.edu slash online. My boy, Mace, what's going on? All I can say today is roll tide, baby. Oh man. Oh man. That was... (laughs) You know what? That could have been a lot worse, too. In the third quarter, when it's 45-24, I'm thinking the Tide could end up with 66 points here in this game. (laughs) Just unstoppable. Um, It's funny. I think it may have taken a while, but I think we have finally reached the point of national fatigue over Alabama winning yet again. I haven't. (laughs) <laughs> I'm sure you haven't, but I think most people have and that aren't crimson tide backers. And there was actually a moment later on in the evening. It was when um, Scott Van Pelt was anchoring the post game sports center and a graphic behind him showed the odds for the national championship next year. And the teams on the list, like the Alabama was the favorite, and then you had Clemson. And then the other four teams that, that showed up, you saw like Notre Dame, 
He saw Oklahoma. Um, he saw Georgia. And he said, well, same teams as every year. College football has a real problem with its structure right now. Yeah. In that the power is concentrated among a very select few. And I want to say, even though they had a bad season this year, the LSU was the other team on there. Because, of course, uh, you know, LSU had a lot of guys opting out this year because of COVID and they won the title last year. It's it, it's so hard to break into that select stranglehold. And I know people use that as an excuse to say, oh, don't expand the playoff because it's only a few teams that could win anyway. But if the playoff, if the playoff were expanded to, I mean, I want to see 24 teams, every conference winner plus 14 at-larges. If the playoffs expanded over time, you would see the talent, I think, get dispersed more widely in college football. And I think you would see more teams kind of break in and uh, kind of pick the lock that a few teams seem to have on this. College football right now, the structure of it and the, the number of teams that are elite, it's it's kind of boring. And I know Alabama's like, oh, we love it. We love it. But by and large, it's boring. That's that's fair. And and because we know who's gonna be there next year. Mm-hmm. Alabama three to one odds to win it next year. So they're gonna keep rolling over there with the tide. Mm. And uh Nick Saban is the goat with seven national championships. Just absurd. Six in the past 12 years. Wild. Mm. And Mace, we're gonna dive more into that game because it yeah. does impact the Broncos, actually. But before we do, we gotta talk about the Broncos GM search with some news coming out this morning that the Broncos. Broncos are starting to narrow down their list and really hone in on a couple of guys. Mace, George Payton, of course, with the Vikings. He's on his way to Denver today to interview in person. It'll be the first in-person interview that the Broncos have in this search. It'll be George's second interview with the team. And the Broncos are also going to have a virtual interview today with Terry Fontenot with the Saints. And of course, that one's virtual because he can't meet in person with anyone because the Saints are still in the playoffs. So today, Mace, second round of interviews start. Yeah, and uh, I think it's it's significant that even though they they had kind of insisted on the in-person aspect of the second round of interviews that Terry Fontenot, they're going ahead and doing this over Zoom. And uh, some of that is because the clock may be ticking on these two candidates and both of them may have other irons in the fire. George Payton, he is a strong candidate in Detroit. Of course, he's worked for Rick Spielman in Minnesota for many years. Rick Spielman's brother is Chris Spielman, who is a, a very active consultant in the Detroit Lions search, uh, assisting Sheila Ford Hamp, who is uh, the new owner of the team, uh, inheriting it from Martha Firestone Ford in recent months. So there's that. And then Terry Fontenot appears to be maybe the top candidate in Atlanta based on him going through that interview process. So with Atlanta possibly in on Fontenot, or Detroit possibly in on Peyton, the Broncos may feel like, okay, we've got to get the get the second round of interviews in and make an offer and try to say, okay, for this candidate, whoever we want, they're going to think that a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. So that's, that's something that uh, – 
that that's that's governing this. I know I've said that the Broncos probably didn't need to to rush on the candidate simply because they did have John Elway still with the organization. But it appears Elway wants to kind of separate himself and move on with his life and uh, hand the baton. And with their two candidates clearly on the radars of others, I think the Broncos are feeling some urgency to get in and strike while the iron is hot. Yes, they, they certainly are. And that doesn't mean that they're going to move on from Terry Fontenot and not wait for him. They're going to have that second interview with him today, which is important, Mace, because that's what we were talking about, that there's no rush to eliminate a candidate that you can't interview in person. So that was really the rush here. And the Broncos are saying, okay, well, we don't necessarily have to have that in-person interview. Let's have another interview with Terry virtually. And then that's going to be interesting. If they want Terry Fontenot to be their GM, they're probably going to have to make a move quick. Cause like you said, he's the leading candidate out there in Atlanta, but they may not be able to have an in-person interview with him. Uh, and w- which we talked about the importance of that yesterday. Mm-hmm. But I-, I think that when you're at this stage, the Broncos know what they're getting in George Payton. The Broncos would know what they're getting in Terry Fontenot. And the fact that they were really impressed with him over the weekend to get this second interview, it shows me that they were very open in this search. And that's kind of what we wanted, Mace. We said that that the Broncos could easily expand the search to, to 10, 15 people. But if if they were open-eyed going into this and Terry really jumped out to them, then, then kudos to them that they did this search right. Uh, so Mace, I mean, what, when do you think we get a conclusion now that things are starting to ramp up and it doesn't appear the Broncos are looking at other candidates outside these five? If they are holding on these two, then I think we could hear wind of an offer as soon as Tuesday night. Yep, I think so too. If they know, they know. And uh, again, it's the the urgency thing kicking in. If they know that one of these guys uh, is the candidate they want, I don't even think they're going to sleep on it. I think they're going to try to go ahead and make that offer post-haste. And then uh, the question becomes, do they go ahead? Does this candidate go ahead and take the job or do they wait on the other one? Because this is where the Broncos situation overall in terms of ownership really comes into play. Now, you know, Joe Ellis pointed out last last week when he spoke with the media that, yeah, the 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 football operations staff has never had any issues getting what it wanted, what it asked for, even in the COVID environment, even with the finances crunched uh, because of revenue losses stemming from the COVID-19 pandemic. And, And that is well and good. But the one thing that the Broncos can't offer right now that the Falcons and Lions can is relatively ironclad stability in terms of ownership. They you know, they can't say today that there that anyone currently with the organization currently with the organization, e.g. Brittany Bolin, is going to be running the show 16 months from, from now. They they cannot say that. Whereas in Atlanta, Arthur Blank can say, you know, it's it's my operation. It's going to be my operation next year. In Detroit, Sheila Fordhamp can say, look, I just got on the job. Uh, she could even say, look, my mom is in her 90s and she's still kicking. I I expect to be owning this team for a long time and running this show for a long time. So I think the Broncos, because of the situation faced organizationally, 
they're feeling like, okay, we got to get this offer in and maybe we can get one of these guys that we want to take the job because to take the job and take the certain gig, because if all things are equal, whoever, whether it's Fontenot or Peyton, they're probably taking, they're probably weighing long and hard that other job that has a, that has more stability beyond this year at the top. Yeah. And, and it's a good point. And Mace, one thing that Elway's used to is being the closer, getting someone here, not letting them leave and, you know, not, not letting them leave until they have a contract. And this may be one of the first times Mace where Elway's not going to have much control over that. Now I think he's going to try to do that, but you're right. If you're a kid, if you're one of these two guys and you have significant interest from around the league and you pointed to why other jobs may be more appealing, then that is something where the, these people may want to take a day or two to think about it or to go interview with those other teams again, try to get an offer from them. And Mace, it also comes in, into play that the Broncos are going after two hot candidates right now. It's going to cost them some serious money on top of the money that that they're spending on John Elway this year uh, in his final year of his deal. It's going to cost them serious money. And now uh, it, you can feel a little relaxed about that because of what Joe Ellis said, that the, that the lack of an owner has not had any impact on the field. You would think that would extend to the player personnel department as well, but this is going to be a potentially big time contract, especially if you get in a bidding war with another team. I mean, what, what did Nick Casario get in Houston? Six, six years, 36 million, something like that. It was six years, $6 million. I mean, that, that, that is huge type of type of deal. And we're talking about John Elway, who only got a five-year deal when he signed his last mm. deal with the team. Well, the six-year contract is uh, has become somewhat standard operating procedure for general managers recently. Five years is kind of minimum. But I remember, I think it was when Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch went out to San Francisco, and they both got six-year deals. And uh, the, the Lynch deal in particular, I think, is relevant. Part of it was because the 49ers were at rock bottom when those two came in, coming off of that disastrous 2-4 and four season back in 2016. Part of it, I know that the six-year thing was in play for John Lynch um, and, and Kyle Shanahan because with Kyle Shanahan in particular, he come from Atlanta. Uh, going up the chain in Atlanta is Rich McKay, the team president. Rich McKay, son of John McKay who was working with an expansion team in Tampa Bay back in the, in the 70s. And he had a five-year contract, but realistically, John McKay always wished he had a six-year contract, given how slow things were at the start. And so I think unwittingly, you have this trend that came from out of that whole process of general managers being able to potentially get six-year deals. And you know what? If you're a, G, if you're a GM, Let's say you're Peyton or Fontenot. You get that offer from the Broncos, and it's six years. And then a new owner comes in, and the new owner may want their own people. And look, if the owner is someone with Jeff Bezos types, what type wealth, they're not going to blink at, okay, fine, I want my own guy at GM. I will pay this other GM you know, for five years just to have my person in there. But if it's an owner that thinks more about every dollar – and doesn't have a bottomless reservoir of cash from which to draw, then that new owner is probably going to say, oh, I have to pay this, this guy five years not to work. Mm, <laughs> let me just keep Peyton or Fontenot on the job and see what 
they can keep doing here. So it's a, a six-year contract if the Broncos did offer it. There's no guarantee that they will. It could be just uh, more of a standard five-year deal. But a six-year contract would certainly uh, confer an extra layer of stability uh, on a GM who's coming into a situation that I think many would perceive as relatively unstable. Right, exactly. Maybe, Mace, that's how they lock one of these guys in and show them that there is stability is by saying, uh, here, here's an extra year, even though we're not going to be the ones paying it. Uh, a new owner is going to be paying this. Uh, and that that would be some stability in something that the Broncos could offer uh, amidst all of the uncertainty. And Mace, there's one other little thing coming out this morning from Mike Kliss. He says, don't, uh, don't sleep on Champ Kelly. The Broncos are still in communication with him. And Mace, this just points to even more of what we talked to yesterday about Champ Kelly potentially being the number two here in Denver. That's exactly what this tells me is that we were spot on when we said that Champ Kelly could be in line to get the Broncos number two job once the waters settle and they hire a GM. Yeah. And maybe this is also a scenario where I know it sounds bad to put it this way, but maybe he is the backup plan in yeah. case what we talked about happens where if it's Fontenot goes to Atlanta, if it's, if, if it's Peyton, he goes to Detroit. Maybe this is the situation where you're like, okay, that th- this is what we have in reserve. And we still have confidence in champ Kelly to have some kind of role. You also wonder if, because champ Kelly would be jumping up uh, two levels, whereas Peyton and Fontenot, would be jumping up one level to become the GM. You also wonder if uh, maybe if it's Champ Kelly, John Elway would be more involved in the early stages, whereas with Peyton or Fontenot, he'd probably take his hands off the wheel sooner rather than later just because they are closer to the top level of decision-making with their respective clubs think champ Kelly is right now. And it could provide champ Kelly, that intermediate step. The only other, the only thing with champ Kelly though, if champ Kelly does end up kind of being the second in command here behind Fontenot or Peyton, you have to be prepared to lose champ Kelly potentially pretty quickly, given how he's already on radars of searches around the league. I, I, there could be a scenario where, you see Peyton or Fontenot get the jo- get the job, and maybe Champ Kelly comes in as the right hand because it's still a step up for him if he were to handle the Matt Russell role. Uh, but a year or two from now, you might be saying goodbye to Champ Kelly because it seems like he's on a collision course with a GM job. The only variable is time. And that would be a good thing, Mace, because it would mean that the Broncos did <laughs> some things right to continue to make him a hot candidate. So mm-hmm. I would be all for that, but you're right. You, you want to start grooming someone behind champ Kelly as well. And maybe that's, you know, George Payton uh, or Terry Fontenot, they bring a guy in in order to do that as well. So we'll keep our eye on that. Of course, as the GM search 2021 continues, but that's what to watch out for today, tomorrow, next few days, something is going to happen would be my guess. And Mace, let's quickly talk about the game last night because it wasn't just, the tide rolling yesterday but we also had it impact the Denver Broncos in this draft coming up and to me there was one huge takeaway when it comes to the Denver Broncos and that is that there are four legitimate quarterbacks in this draft and you can get one of them 
by only having to trade one additional first round pick in order to get them or Mace. In fact, one of these four guys could very well fall to the Broncos at nine, no matter who the general manager is. If they want to go young, that is huge because you're not going to have to mortgage three first round picks in order to move up to get one of these guys. You may only have to trade a second round pick and number nine in order to get one of these guys. And of course, the big four I'm talking about, Trevor Lawrence, Mac Jones, Justin Fields, and Zach Wilson. So Trey Lance isn't a first round pick. Not not a top 10 guy. And, and, and I truly do believe that, that all four of these guys are now top 10 guys. Okay, because I, I, I still see some team falling in love with Trey Lance and picking him. And I, the, the interesting thing, Zach, is it was a big game for Mac Jones, no doubt, but uh, it's sort of a chicken and an egg thing. Is it him? Is it the receivers? It certainly appeared to be, a, a, at minimum, a combination thereof. Devontae Smith was off the chain. Ohio State's coverage was questionable at best. Uh, someone who had a lot to gain in this game was Sean Wade, the cornerback from from Ohio State, and uh, uh, he fared a little bit better than some of his contemporaries in the secondary. But uh, Pro Football Focus assessed him with 100 yards allowed on six receptions, 72 of which came to uh, Devonte Smith. And of course, the the thing that uh, will always uh, kind of haunt Sean Wade as he goes through this process is the uh, is the image of Devonte Smith uh, getting getting that jump on him off the snap and getting upfield without being touched and breaking open for a 44 yard reception. So, yeah. I think, see, I, I, the one thing I will disagree with you on is I think we have five first round quarterbacks and maybe five quarterbacks in the top 15. I still think Mac Jones is probably QB five, even though you can argue from being QB four, I think Lance is going to go off the board before he does, but it does make it interesting because I think you are talking about 15, about five quarterbacks in those first 15 picks and the Broncos are sitting in a valuable spot. And the other reason they're sitting in a valuable spot is when you take a look at the teams picking in the 15 selections after the Broncos. Of course, the Broncos pick ninth. And then you go Dallas, Giants, San Francisco, Chargers, Minnesota, New England, Arizona, Las Vegas, Miami. And then after the first round, we know the next six picks are Washington, Chicago, Indianapolis, Tennessee, Seattle, and that, or, or the New York Jets, pardon me, taking that pick from Seattle in the Joel Adams trade and the Steelers. And of those 15 picks, Zach, you could say legitimately that San Francisco, New England, Washington, Chicago, Indianapolis, the Jets, and Steelers could all be looking long and hard at the quarterback position, which brings into play the ability to pick up a future first round pick if the Broncos want to give Drew Locke a year to wait and see before they dip their toe potentially back in the draft quarterback pool and get into the Sam Howell, Keaton Slovis, Spencer Rattler, Desmond Ritter type of conversation in 2022. So I think that's what's interesting here. If the Broncos do elect to give Drew Locke another year, add, add a veteran in that mix, then you have a bunch of teams that could be looking at the Broncos and saying nine is where we need to go. And we're willing to give up an awful lot to do it. 
Yeah, and that that would be huge as well. But man, Mace, it would be huge to get a top quarterback with the ninth overall pick, not have to trade up. And I believe that that is very much a possibility. And and you're right, there may be five quarterbacks. But what I'm saying, Mace, is I think that there's four top ten quarterbacks, and those guys will end up going in the top ten. And maybe it is Trey Lance, but I just think it would be a mistake to take Trey Lance over Mac Jones. I mean, Mac Jones, I think, should legitimately be in the conversation as the number two quarterback in this draft. I mean, not only what he did this season, which, by the way, there were no gimme games. This was an all-SEC schedule that Alabama played. So I know people like to poke fun at Alabama for playing, you know, the Chattanoogas and stuff. Nope, that did not happen this year. All-SEC, over 40 touchdowns, 77% completion, lit the world on fire. Then, of course, last night, five touchdowns, almost 500 yards in the national championship game. Uh, And, of course, the two non-SEC games were last night and what he did. And then against Notre Dame as well, who was the number four team in the country. And Mace, not just looking at the stats, here's some things that Kirk Herbstreet and Chris Fowler said on Mac Jones during the game. He's known for decision-making and accuracy. Mace, that's all I want in a quarterback. (laughs) Decision-making and accuracy. That's it right there. I mean, what more could you want? They went on and, you know, said some uh, that he has great pocket sense and instincts. Uh, It's just a pocket awareness and a feel that he has. I mean, those are just a few of the things that they said about him that goes beyond the stats that what more could you ask for? Well, what more you could, you could ask for, I would say is, uh, (laughs) let's see what he does when he does not possess a decided talent advantage at his disposal uh, on the, on the line. I mean, uh, the, the thing is in the, in, in the course of, I believe of, of the college football, of the college football playoff in the, uh, in the postseason this year, he, when he gets pressured and teams do try to pressure him, but when he gets pressured, according to Pro Football Focus, his completion percentage is 70. His adjusted completion percentage, accounting for like drops and the throwaways, is 88.2. <laughs> I mean, he, he's as cool as the other side of the pillow, Mason. We saw it last night, too. He makes great decisions under pressure. And, and you're, you're absolutely right, Mace, is that people are just going to point to his offensive line being incredible, which they are, his running back being incredible, which he is, his wide receivers being incredible, which they are. And boy, Devontae Smith is something else. Uh, but yes. But, but Mace, if you're just going to discount him and say, we're not going to take him because all the talent around him was good, well, then you're not doing your job. That is lazy, lazy evaluation. Yeah, and but it, this is also why it's such a tough evaluation because, mm-hmm. again, what is, is causing this? And, uh, you know, Tua Tungvaluwa had a good season for Miami, got benched twice in games, um, including as the Broncos back in November. So, unfortunately, what Tua did is not enough to offer kind of program clarity. And I always caution against holding a, a player's program against him. Right. But there's a pretty good history of Alabama quarterbacks who did, ver- who did very well there with this decided talent advantage, kind of playing off the old uh, – Charlie Weiss quote that got mocked decided schematic advantage. Well, uh, there's a decided talent advantage at Alabama. And so 
it's going to take some deep dives into film to, to separate what Mac Jones did from what was made possible by the guy, by the guys around him. And that's, and that alone, I think is why you'll see Mac Jones maybe, maybe drop a little bit in some evaluations because people are going to look at Devonte Smith and say, Oh, uh, he had uh, had a lot to do with, it. even if you go back to Mac Jones, when he came in for Tonga Vailoa late in the 2019 season, uh, he also had Kerry Judy and Henry Ruggs to throw to. So these things are, are, are in play. And it's just, it's still kind of why I have a little bit of, of skepticism here. I, I, he would not be QB two for me. I mean, I think even though you have last night's game going the way it did, I've still got Justin Fields ahead of him. I've still got Zach Wilson ahead of him. Now I would say for me, he's probably ahead of Trey Lance because with Trey Lance, I just haven't seen enough, but I can see why teams would look at Trey Lance and look at, at some of the raw tools and say, okay, he has more upside going into the NFL so it's not clear to me. It's not clear cut that Mac Jones end up ends up being QB four or QB three. I think though it is clear cut that Mac Jones is a first rounder and most likely in the top half of the first round. That I think we can say we know for certain. So the likelihood of talking about five quarterbacks in the first sixteen picks is very real right now. Yep, yep. So for me, Mace, on the record, he's a top ten pick in my eyes and the Broncos would be, it would be a fantastic pick if they got him at nine overall. I'm fully going in on that. I've just, I've seen that he, he's done everything and there are going to be those questions that you brought up Mace, but you know what? He's done everything with flying colors and, and has those traits, the, the, oh, the decision-making and the accuracy. That's that, that's all you need to know about Mac Jones. And re- regardless Mace of if they get him at nine, I think this just having a quarterback rich draft, especially in the top 10, top 15, as you believe, and top 10, as I believe, is just going to help the Broncos, whether it's helped them land the number two overall quarterback because they they trade up, uh, whether it's one of those quarterbacks falls to them and they pick them, or whether it's they trade back and get a lot because the San Francisco 49ers want to draft Mac Jones at nine. So I think I think this is a win, win, win for the Broncos. I would even say like a, not maybe not even the 49ers. I'd look at the Patriots. I mean, they're sitting there and the Patriots in looking at their scenario, they've, you know, of course they have Bill Belichick who is very close with Nick Saban. Mm -hmm. And if they are willing to sacrifice a future first round pick and move up to nine to get Mac Jones, it would say two things. Number one, it would say, say that uh, Bill Belichick uh, has the best intel on Mac Jones and he (laughs) believes Mac Jones is going to be something. Number two, if the Patriots are calling me (laughs) about trading up for Mac Jones, knowing what they probably know, there are probably two teams that will know more about Mac Jones because of connections than, than anybody else at this point. And, And one is the Patriots and the other is the Bucks because Bruce Arians, he remember he went to Alabama. He played for Bear Bryant. He knows people all over that organization and that that program too. So those and, and the Bucks are kind of interesting because they don't pick as high as the Patriots, obviously, but the Bucks are sitting there 
probably with Tom Brady going in, into his last year, certainly it's his last, the last year of his contract. And they could be thinking, we've got this team put together. Do we start working on a succession plan now? And is that succession plan Mac Jones? So those are two teams that I think they're going to be sitting later in the first round. Of course, we don't know when the Bucks are picking just yet because, um, because they're still active in the postseason. And I would certainly rather deal with the, the Patriots and the Bucks because I think the Patriots are not going to be anywhere near as good as the Bucks next year. So in terms of draft value, you'd probably rather deal with the Patriots. But if both of that, but if one or both of them calls you <laughs> and it, they're calling about trading up for Mac Jones, you put down the phone and say, <laughs> eh, yeah. this Mac kid, if these two teams <laughs> like him, Let's give let's give some serious thought about this thing here. <laughs> yep, yep, you you are a hundred percent right, Mace. Absolutely, that's what I'm doing. Oh, and I can't wait. And Mace, you talk about the Tampa Bay Bucks, and it makes me think about the playoff games this week. And there's no better way to get in on the games than with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. And if you haven't tried DraftKings Sportsbook, well, what are you waiting for? Got so many more NFL games coming up this weekend, and I can't wait for these football playoff games. DraftKings is giving all new users the chance to bet on any of the weekend's professional football games at 100 to 1 odds. 100 to 1 odds. All you have to do is bet $1 on any football game this weekend. And if your team wins, you cash $100. That's incredible. And while we're excited for football, let's not forget that basketball season has tipped off. So head over to the app to get in on all of the daily odds boosts that they've got going on leading up to this weekend. DraftKings is safe, secure, reliable, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. So head to the app store now, download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now, and use promo code DNVR when you sign up to get $100, 100 to 1 odds on football games this weekend. That's code DNVR for new players to get a shot at $100 on any football action this weekend. For a limited time only, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Restri restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Zach, did you place a bet on your beloved Crimson Tide last night? Mm, and I won as well. <laughs> okay, so you're going to want to celebrate, right? Absolutely. What better way to celebrate than with a delicious brew from our friends over at Breckenridge Brewery. Of course, Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR and uh, has an array of options for you as we go into the new year. I'm sure RK, if you were here, would tell you about the, uh, the juice drop. And uh, there's so many good choices. Breck Brew's got something for everybody, no matter what your beer tastes at, at this point in time. Of course, if you're in the Denver area, make sure you check out their restaurant over at their brewery down in Littleton, right off Santa Fe. That's called the Farmhouse. If you order your meal and beer from the Farmhouse, use that magical code DNBR and save $5 off your meal. So make sure you call 303-803-1380 from noon to 8 p.m. And then you can go pick up your meal and your beer over at the Farmhouse at the brewery in Littleton because, of, of course, they've got the full array of Breckenridge brews there. So whatever variety of Breck brew you want, you can get it with your meal when you pick it up from the farmhouse. 303-803-1380 from noon to 8 p.m. for pickup. Use that magical code DMBR for $5 off your meal. If you're not in the Denver area, no problem. Check out that 15-can sampler. You can get it through Drizzly. Or if you want to just get 
You want to get some Colorado core. You want to get some strawberry sky or any of the other varieties that Breck brews. And you want to find out where to get them. Check out the Breck beer locator on Breckenridge Brewery's website. It'll tell you wherever you can go to get those delicious Breckenridge brews. The odds are that you are not too far from someplace, a liquor store, a grocery store, convenience store, uh, in some states, a pharmacy, whatever. You're not too far from someplace that has some of those delicious Breckenridge brews waiting for you. Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of the NBR. Absolutely, Mace. Let's jump into the comment section. And first one is for you, my friend. Oh, my. So that means we must have gotten a new one because, yep, we did. It refreshed the order of comments on here. Count Locula up first. Let's say Watson is sipping sweet bevies in South Beach and you aren't sold on any draftable ball chuckers. What would, you be, what would you be willing to mortgage to snack Dak from the freak circus that is Jerry World? Snatch Dak. I love it. Mm, man, this one, uh, I'm just still not sold on Dak. And maybe maybe I'm crazy for not doing that. But Mace, uh, you would probably in this situation be just getting him as a free agent, right? Yeah, unless the Cowboys re-sign him. If the, and if the Cowboys re-sign him, he's not going anywhere. Right, but and sign and trades don't really happen in the NFL. Right, it's it's not the it's not the NBA. So, with Dak Prescott, you're looking at how much you'd be willing to pay if you're available, and you would have stern competition right now. And if you're going by the average annual per year value of their contract right now. Patrick Mahomes has an average annual value of 45 million. Of course, there's a strong, there's a strong chance for a restructure down the line because all the guarantees hit in the next few years. So Patrick Mahomes, according to over the cap, all these numbers be over the cap, 45 million guaranteed or 141 million fully total guaranteed, 63 million fully guaranteed, 45 million a year. Deshaun Watson, 74.89 million in full guarantees. 111.9 million total guaranteed, 39 million a year average value. Russell Wilson, 70 million full guarantee, 107 million total guaranteed, 35 million average per year. So realistically, Zach, you are looking at a full guarantee of probably at minimum 60 million, a total guarantee into the nine figures somewhere north of a hundred million dollars in total guarantees and even coming off the injury you are probably paying Dak Prescott in the neighborhood of 35 million dollars per year uh, that would make him the third highest paid quarterback in terms of average per year value behind Patrick Mahomes Deshaun Watson or actually second if they'd be tied with Russell Wilson at 35 million and just ahead of big Ben Roethlisberger, Aaron Rodgers, Jared Goff has an average per year value of 33.5 million. By the way, Kirk cousins has an average per year value of 33 million and Carson Wentz average per year value of 32 million. And I bring those names up Zach, because Dak Prescott last year, 31.409 million. And even coming off the injury, you know, he's going to want more in average per year value than Goff cousins Wentz which I think likely pushes him into $35 million a year territory. 
Yep, I totally agree. Except Mace, I think he's in $35 million per year territory. If he stays with the Cowboys, maybe gets a little discount there. I think if he hits the open market, he's going to be the second highest paid quarterback. I don't necessarily think he tops Patrick Mahomes at $45 million because of just how crazy his contract is and because he's Patrick freaking Mahomes. But Mace, I think he tops $39 million. I think we're talking about him being $40 million on the open market. And for the Broncos, I mean, we can talk about escrow and make everyone drink right now. Uh, but <laughs> you just but <laughs> uh, exactly. I don't know if they'd be able to do that alone, but man, would that also, I mean, you'd be saying goodbye to everyone that you could cut for a quarterback that is he elite? I don't believe he's elite and you'd be paying him beyond elite money. Is he a good quarterback? Absolutely. There's no denying that. I just think that could put you in a really, really, really tough spot. Oh, no doubt. It would put you in a tough spot. If you do go after Dak Prescott, you're saying goodbye to Justin Simmons. You might be saying goodbye to Von Miller as well. Oh, yeah. All this, and you're AJ Boye. Right. Jarrell Casey, maybe even Kareem Jackson. Yep. And oh, by the way, you're shoving that contract in and you're probably the, the average per year value might be 35 million, but it might not be a 35 million charge on this year's cap. It could be say 20 million with a bigger number hitting down the line when you're hoping that the TV contracts and streaming contracts come in over the next year to ensure that that salary cap goes up and approaches 250 million, 275 million at some <laughs> point in the next few years, a lot in play. Yeah, what is it in 2027? Doesn't Mahomes have like a $60 million cap hit or something crazy? I mean, there, there's an absurd number in there. Yeah, he's not going to see some of the numbers uh, on that <laughs> on, on that contract. And that's why a lot of the, all the guarantees hit early, but it all sets up for Patrick Mahomes having an even more absurd number several years down the line right. after he restructures and gets more years added to that deal, barring any injury. Yeah, it is. It is insane, man. Oh. Great conversation oh. there. Next one coming in. From yeah, I better Casper. I better be careful, though. I mean, I don't want people jumping down my jumping down on my throat or on my back about uh, Patrick Mahomes being being here a long time in the <laughs> AFC West and uh, the Chiefs giving him that huge deal because he's continuing to lob up, uh, you know, 35 touchdown pass seasons and 13 and 14 win seasons. Ugh, Mace, man. we are uh, we're about one year ago from when uh, people were jumping down my throat for saying that he's good. I, I still <laughs> feel bad for you about about that. I'm sorry. I mean, and, and I've I've backed <laughs> away, but uh, I think this year has just continued to prove me right. You yeah, you weren't wrong. That's the thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, ten point favorite against the Browns. That number. That number is huge, but the Browns looked pretty darn good against the Steelers. Man, I'm just so pumped for playoff football again this weekend. Next one coming in. I missed the triple header. I I want more triple headers. (laughs) Man, yeah. Expand the playoffs to 24 teams so we can get a couple weekends of that. (laughs) Oh, 32. What the heck? There we go. No buys. You would have had... uh, you would have had Kansas City playing Jacksonville this past weekend. Just what the heck? Why not? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Casper says, fellas, when teams have sold the farm to trade for either a superstar player or a top draft pick, don't they usually have to get permission from the ownership to do so? With Denver's ownership in flux, would that make any trade uh, a moot point this season? Well, here's the thing. 
Joe Ellis is effectively the owner of the Denver Broncos. And if that was not clear before last week, because yeah, you had the trust and no one above him. The fact that John Elway was very gently guided toward the door and reading between the lines of what Joe Ellis said during his press conference last week, if John Elway had not been willing to kind of voluntarily walk away, that there would have been some difficult conversations that probably would have involved Joe Ellis exerting his authority. Joe Ellis is the owner. It's his call. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yes, he, he would be involved, but if the Broncos wanted to make this trade, Mace, I, I don't see why Joe Ellis would step in and say no. Oh, I, I, absolutely. hundred percent. I think he, I think he would be on board. He, he wants to see the team win. And uh, the question would be just making sure you can access the funds. Now, that being said, teams got an additional line of credit last year. So they could have, they, they could have, I believe up to $500 million dollars borrowed. So that might help, but at the same time, have the Broncos dove into that. That's not something that we, that we know right now, only a, probably a handful of people uh, know where the Broncos stand on that. So could they put together the money? It's possible. They, they did put together the money for the Garrett Bowles signing bonus as well. And the guaranteed money in escrow. So they have been willing to find ways to make this happen very much in the tradition of Pat Bowen, finding ways to make things happen financially. Exactly. Exactly. Next one, asking for a friend. Considering Watson's want for minority representation in the NFL, wouldn't the Broncos be better off in those sweepstakes to hire Chip or Champ Kelly or Fontenot or even Khan? Potentially, yeah. Actually, I do wish Omar Khan was on their radar now that he's not going to Houston and Houston had apparently zeroed in on him before the the uh, Jack Easterby end run to make sure that his guy from New England, Nick Casario, got the job. So Omar Khan, the reason the other reason why I like him is that Pittsburgh's model is is sustainable. And I I would love to have some of that Pittsburgh um player evaluation magic in the or in the organization. But yeah, I would I would imagine that having a minority in a position of authority for the Broncos would be would be a feather in the cap when it came to Deshaun Watson making making the decision. That that being said, I don't know that it's enough to counter Miami, which is in a state with no with no state income taxes, has more to offer Houston than the Broncos would. And and that's the other thing. I mean, Deshaun Watson can kind of, even though the Texans would make a trade of Deshaun Watson, Deshaun kind of has the ability to determine where he goes. And it looks like he's more keen on Miami if he leaves than anywhere else. And yeah, Mace, the Broncos are just uh, have too far of odds to base their GM hire off of potentially trading for Deshaun Watson. And man, you, you get who you want as the GM and then you try to make it work after, especially because we're a couple months away from even being able to trade for Deshaun, not even knowing if he's going to be traded, not not thinking the Broncos are front runners. This is something that that you can't do. You can't hire your GM uh, with, with the intent of trading for Deshaun. Watson because the odds as fun as it is to talk about and I do think that there's there's a chance the Broncos get him I don't think it's it's a significant chance I, I would agree I think they're they're on the radar but there's a lot on the radar right now and much closer to the target is are the Miami Dolphins so the Broncos are, are well down the list doesn't mean it's not possible but they're well down the list exactly next one coming in 
from Low Country Bronco. Morning, boys. Well, obviously, Deshaun would be amazing, but I have to say, with the ninth pick, I think Mac might be there. After watching him this year, I'd say a fair compass, Tony Romo. Not supremely athletic, but very smart and disciplined. He understands the quarterback position. He's got some fire, too, and he never gives up on a play. I really hope our front office gives him a hard look, at least. Dude throws dimes. I think he will translate well to the NFL lcb well lcb i'm right there with you totally agree you're 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 speaking zach's language right there <laughs> exactly you know it was funny because that you compare mac jones to uh to justin fields last night justin fields had some night pet nice passes as well now he had that one he missed in the end zone where he kind of rocketed it in there and the receiver was a step behind but I'm not sure if they were on the same page at all. And you had a freshman receiver who kind of was caught behind. I think, I think Justin was expecting him to kind of come back a little bit and make a play on the ball. And that's why it was behind him. These are the things. And obviously we're just kind of speculating here. We don't know what Ohio state's play called for, but these are the things that come into play when teams take their deep dives and they start uh, scrutinizing the film. I do wonder though, what these film sessions, these, these deep scrutiny, you know, skull sessions that you're going to have with the quarterbacks i wonder what they're going to look like if you can't have them in the building and maybe you can't even meet with them in person at the combine if everything's going to be virtual that's good, going to add another layer of challenge to the evaluations this offseason yeah, it really will add, a, add another challenge, Mason. Uh, people may think I'm crazy for talking so highly of Mac Jones, and I'm sure some people are, some people aren't. My dad thinks that Mac Jones should be the first quarterback off the board above Trevor Lawrence, so that there are even more extreme views oh. out there. <laughs> wow. You know, you, you, I hear that, and I think back to when I was over at the Orange and Blue Station, and uh, we would do our hot take day, and um, – mm. Our producer, James Gomez, would always drop in uh, the sound of Roger Daltrey screaming from uh, from Won't Get Fooled Again. So you have a hot take. Yeah! That's... <laughs> Oh, that's, I love it. So you said that. That's what I hear in my mind. You, you said <laughs> your my dad says Mac Jones should be the number one overall pick, and I all I can hear is yeah. <laughs> I love it. That I is think. coming in hot. That is it screaming. Is. It is coming in hot. So there, there we go. The hot take of the day: Mac Jones should be number one off the board from my dad. <laughs> Congratulations to Mr. Stevens. Yeah, the hot take of of our Tuesday podcast. Dan Burke. Hey guys, an interesting hypothetical that I thought of the other day. Well, it's the offseason. We love these things. What do y'all do if the Packers propose a Jordan Love for Drew Locke trade? Rodgers is playing at an MVP level, and I can't see the Packers parting with him when he's dominating as he is, which means the opportunity for them to capitalize on Love's rookie deal might not be there. There are reports that Love was struggling in camp, and he was listed as the third quarterback on the depth chart behind Rodgers and the great Tim Boyle. The Packers were very interested in Drew Locke in the 2019 draft, and Brian Gutekunst already has a history of trading for second-round big-arm QBs that floundered as starters when he traded for Deshaun Kaiser. And that worked well. Why would the Broncos do it? Jordan Love has fantastic physical tools, including the ability to, to 
be a convincing dual threat, is two years younger than Drew and four more years of cost control, including a fifth-year option. The Broncos were reportedly doing their homework on Jordan Love leading up to the 2020 draft to the point where Pete Thamel reported that Love would not fall past 15. Likely this was a smokescreen, but the Broncos also didn't think Judy would be there at 15, so who knows if they would have taken Love if Judy was off the board. The ideal scenario would be to bring in Love to complete Pete with Locke, but I can't see a scenario where you'd be able to acquire Love without giving up Drew, but what do y'all think? think my first reaction is <laughs> yeah <laughs> that was gonna be my reaction <laughs> instead wow of, instead of yeah it's no <laughs> oh my no way do not do that oh boy I, I i was i admit i was not enamored with jordan love last year um i i i thought the packers shouldn't have picked them because they were at the, they were at the cusp of the title. I mean, come on. They were, they, yeah, they got drilled in the NFC championship game, but they were one game away from the Super Bowl. Aaron Rodgers is in that second prime, that mid to late thirties prime, even in the forties that we've seen from Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Drew Brees. Why weren't you trying to help him? I mean, Rodgers could be their quarterback for another five or six years. If they play this right, it seemed totally unnecessary, even though I know the Packers, they're looking for the long transition. They're looking to have it go from Aaron Rodgers to Jordan Love the way it went from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers. But man, it's difficult to have lightning strike twice. You know, the 49ers, they tried to do a lightning strikes twice thing because, of course, they had the transition from Joe Montana to Steve Young. And so in 1997, with Steve Young still playing at at an all-pro level, they decided to use the number 26 overall pick. That's a bad number, by the way, 26, because that was the Paxton Lynch slot. And they used the number 26 overall pick on, can you guess, Zach? Oh, boy, who? Jim Drucken Miller. <laughs> yes, Drucken Miller. We've talked about him before. Jim Drucken Miller from Virginia Tech. And he was a bust by the 01 season. He was playing in the XFL, as Vince McMahon put it. <laughs> and I bring up number 26 because where did the Packers pick Jordan Love? 26. There's Oof. so it's that is a, a that's a scary number, but also it reflects. You know, when you're talking about a quarterback who's at 26, it reflects a guy who's got some tools but needs an awful lot of work. Paxton Lynch needed an awful lot of work. He wasn't really willing to do it. By all accounts, Jordan Love is willing to put in the work, but he's still a raw project. And uh, I, I think if the Broncos traded for him, they'd be taking a major step back. Uh, I'm so, I'm sorry, Dan Burke. You've, you've got a lot of good takes on, on this and – Love you. We appreciate you listening, but I'd heard enough from Green Bay to where I would say, "Mm, not the guy. Yeah, and and entering last year before we heard anything out of Green Bay, Mace, I like Drew Locke more than I like Jordan Love. If Mm -hmm. they were in the same draft, I personally would have taken Drew Locke over Jordan Love, and Jordan Love has not done anything. It's not like Drew Locke's been great either, but Jordan Love's done nothing to where I think, okay, maybe maybe you do see something in him. So for me, it's a it's a hard pass, but I yeah. like the idea. Here's the interesting thing with Jordan Love. Kind of like Aaron Rodgers, if you are going to make something out of him, clearly it's the long, long game. Mm-hmm. That's his shot. It's His shot is basically – 
two to three years of incubation before he gets out there. And we're not there yet. So if yeah. you trade for Jordan Love, my thinking would be, okay, who's the veteran that's in the room? Because that veteran is probably starting in 2021. Yeah, and you're probably not trading Drew for another guy like him that still needs a year or two of development or even more development as Jordan would need. Yeah, so I'm yeah, I'm I I am with you, Zach. I, I don't think this is the best idea. Next one coming in from Orange and Blue Ozzy. I'd love to see this as our defensive line next year. Purcell at Noseguard, Shelby and Draymond at defensive end, back up by Walker and Williams. Thoughts? I'd love to see that too. And I think you throw McTelvin Ajim in there uh, a year older and that could be your D line. And of course what orange and blue Aussie is saying is predicated upon re-signing Shelby Harrison free agency and re-signing Demarcus Walker. I like the idea of both. And I think Shelby's going to get a nice contract from somebody. I hope it's from the Broncos and Demarcus Walker just fits the rotation really well. The Broncos have found a good use for him. He is a pass rush specialist. Everybody needs more interior pass rush. It's good to have him there in the stable to bring him in. Uh, And, and, and he still has a nice high pressure rate, according to pro football focus uh, when he's out there in pass rush situations. I'd love to see Demarcus Walker back. I'd love to see Shelby, see Shelby Harris back more, but I want them both back. I feel much better about the D line with both Harris and Walker in that room. Yeah, and, and I, I agree, Mesa. And I think that could very well. I think that defensive line is the front runner for the Broncos' defensive line next year. Exactly what you said, throwing McTelvin, and there you go. And I think it, it says a lot about uh, Demarcus Walker. I know he maybe hasn't lived up to expectations of the second round pick, but had a lot of opportunities where he could have just kind of folded up his tent. They're asking him to lose weight. They're asking him to put on weight. They're (laughs) changing his role. A lot of opportunities where he could have just folded his tent and it might not have worked out. He was being deactivated. And to his credit, he never lost his focus and desire to keep pushing. He, 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 he could have gone, he could have gone in the tank. Instead, he stuck with it and became a useful rotational piece. Yeah, I know it's not what you want as a second-round pick, but it's something. And I think it's something that the right price you want back in that room because he is not the guy you want against the run, but he's a pretty good pass rusher. Yeah, exactly, Mason. If Demarcus Walker does get that contract extension or Shelby Harris does, they'll probably want to check out Mike and Virginia Chevalier over at Chevalier Mortgage because they'll be here for the long term. No more renting for any of those guys. And our friends, Mike and Virginia Chevalier, are not only diehard Broncos fans, and I'm sure would be happy to set one of those guys up with a with a mortgage, but they've supported DNVR for a long time as DNVR members. They're a husband-wife team with over 15 years of financial financial services experiences visit them at dnvrmortgage.com and enter to win a free dnvr shirt or hat of your choice when you do and most importantly get set up with a free consultation to discuss all of your options over at dnvrmortgage.com and if you've gone through the loan process before and you would rather get a root canal watch a raiders game root for the dodgers than go through that process again 
think about doing it again with Mike and Virginia because you haven't worked with them yet and they will make the process so much different than your past experiences. And trust me, they will make it smooth, quick, and enjoyable. Of course, Mike has a financial services background, so they'll look at your entire financial picture. And you can give Virginia a call directly right now at 303-257-6578. So make sure to check them out to get set up with that free consultation and also your chance to enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat and when you do. So check them out, dnvrmortgage.com. Michael Chevalier, NMLS 1931006. Virginia Chevalier, NMLS 1910631. And you know what? If you deal with Mike and Virginia Chevalier and you get that mortgage, you get that home that you want, you're going to want to have a grill outside. And on that grill, you're going to want to, you want, going to want to cook some damn good beef. And that's where our friends over at Hassle Cattle Company come in. Hassle Cattle Company equals a hassle-free meat life. That's right. We brought you damn good beer. Now we're delivering to you damn good beef. Hassle Cattle Company is the absolute best source for farm-to-table. I know I like hearing those words. Wagyu beef in the country. It's a fourth-generation cattle farm out of Texas. They ship all over the USA and straight to your door. They call their beef the blue-collar Wagyu. Why? Because the best damn Wagyu that every man or woman can afford. Hassle Cattle Company offers Wagyu smoked sausage, New York strip, beef bacon, Wagyu Frank without any fillers, two jerky flavors, original and sweet and spicy. Their hamburger won Food Network's Northeast Burger Jam. Not only do we love their beef, the country loves their beef. These guys take their registered bulls and breeds and breed them the registered bulls, pardon me, and breed them with Angus cows, giving you that very high prime product grown with zero antibiotics and hormones. So head on over to HassleCattleCompany.com. That's H-A-S-S-E-L-L, CattleCompany.com. Use that magical code DNVR10 for 10% off your order. That's DNVR10 for 10% off in any orders for $200, and you'll receive free shipping. Check them out. You will not be disappointed. You know what? Save the cheap stuff for your in-laws. Get the good stuff for you, the good stuff from our friends over at Hassle Cattle Company. That's H-A-S-S-E-L-L, cattlecompany.com. Use that magical code DMVR10 for 10% off your order and get $200 of, of beef and you get free shipping. What mortgage you want? Hassle Cattle, Cattle Company. Next one coming in from Schweed. Hey, boys, now that the season is wrapped up and done, I want your opinion on the top five plays or moments of the season. Here's mine, he says. Five, Jerry Judy's touchdown catch against the Jets. Four, Drew Locke's opening throw against the Patriots, mainly because I was caught so off guard by the play call. Three, Drew Locke's four touchdown performance against the Panthers. Two, Jerry Judy's touchdown against the Raiders. And one, the comeback against the Chargers. Thanks, boys, for the great coverage this season, and I look forward to listening daily this offseason. Well, I think he put together a really good list. Of course, you have to have the comeback walk-off touchdown against the Chargers in there. Jerry Judy's 92-yard touchdown catch, which was the longest play from scrimmage this year in the NFL. Uh, and also, of course, I think in terms of top plays, you got to have Jerry Judy's mossing play of the Jets. Yeah, that that goes in there. Of course, the uh, the, the pass that uh, he caught from Brett Rippin in the game, giving the Broncos a a win and Brett Rippin's first and only start. You know, even though I think you look at these and obvi- and four of these come in wins, I'm thinking of some individual moments. I'm thinking of the route that Jerry Judy ran in the red zone in the fourth quarter against Atlanta that gave him separation for for a touchdown. I'm I'm you know what even though it didn't work out I will the the moment I'm always going to remember Zach 
is Kendall Hinton after the game when he was forced into a situation the likes of which no NFL player has faced in in a half a century and teammates coming up to him and hugging him and fist bumping him for the, the understanding just what kind of effort he gave under adverse circumstances. It, it That showed me a lot character-wise that uh, everybody got it. They, they, they knew what sort of moment he faced, what, what, you know, what obstacles were in front of him. And he still went out there and tried and gave it his damn best effort, a damn good effort. And uh, yeah, it was the end of a 31, three game that I know your podcast was so short. I didn't even have time to pop on. You were done <laughs> by the time press conferences were done, but I don't know for me, that's kind of the best moment. Maybe I'm just getting old and getting to be a softy, but that's, that's a moment that sticks with me. Yeah, of course, Garrett Bowles throwing his arm around him, Bradley Chubb giving him a hug after, and you, and you can see Kendall just saying, you know, I tried my best, and the guys just love him for us. That, that's a great moment, Mace. Ball knows ball. And you know what's yeah. a, what'll be even better is if Kendall Hinton gets work on special teams, shows some flashes. I think the best thing that could happen story-wise, like in terms of a, of a feel-good story, is if when the when the roster deadline comes for 2021, getting down to 53, if Kendall Hinton has balled out on special teams and sneaks his way onto that 53 man roster, that would be amazing. Yes, it would. And then what would be even more incredible on top of that is if at some point in his career, he gets an end around when then he then gets to throw a pass off it. That would just top <laughs> it off. <laughs> Let's just go for everything. Go for the gusto. Gusto. Yeah. The the Broncos, they're in the playoffs. It's a tie game late. It's the end around of Kendall Hinton. It's a touchdown. <laughs> Especially against the Saints in the Super Bowl. How about that? <laughs> Kendall Hinton for MVP. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> oh, Jason17 says, my boys. Happy Tuesday and happy weekend. Well, it's my weekend anyway. I was just curious if you guys had to pick two guys out of the following back on the team next year. Who are you picking? Jarrell Casey, Von Miller, Justin Simmons, AJ Boyer, Shelby Harris, Tim Patrick, and Demarcus Walker. If I had to pick two, it'd be Simmons and Harris, but I think a dark horse would be Walker. He played solid down the stretch and proved to be a great rotational piece. Obviously, I'd love to have Miller back, but at a reduced price. What do you guys think? Hope everyone is staying positive and testing negative. <laughs> yes, I love that last line. And yeah, I, I'm with you, Jason17. Uh, I'm with uh, Shelby Harris and Justin Simmons. Man, I, I really wish Jarrell Casey would have stayed healthy because I think that uh, that he would have had a, a very exciting year for the Broncos. But you, you got to go with the guy that's younger with Shelby went between those two. Yeah, there are tough choices here. And the tough choices, I'm with you. I'm going with Shelby Harris and Justin Simmons. The tough choices are Vaughn Miller and Tim Patrick and Demarcus Walker. Yeah. I don't like losing any of those guys. Yeah. Now Vaughn Miller, we all know he's only back with a major restructure. But Tim yeah. Patrick, fairly affordable on the on potentially the second round tender for restricted free agents. There's really no reason why you don't bring back Tim Patrick. But yeah, if it comes down to it, the two guys you want are the the guys who probably have the best uh, outlook for the next couple of years, and that's Shelby Harris and Justin Simmons. 
Exactly, exactly. And you you could make the case uh, for A.J. Boye being just how bad the Broncos cornered the back depth was, especially at the end of the year. But with him, that may be where the Broncos go with the first-round pick. He's also going to cost you probably more than his value, and he's suspended for the first three games of next season. Right. Now, that suspension could work in your favor in terms of how you structure his salary, and it could, and it'll give you a salary cap break as well because, of course – He's not paid for those games. So yeah. whatever whatever contract you would give him if you restructure him, you lock three four you lock three seventeenths off of that. So you know just a just a little bit over one sixth of the contract is going to be taken off, and so you're going to account for that as well when you're when you're figuring out whether to bring back AJ Boye. I'd like to see him take a restructure, and I I, I hope he considers it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we'll see. I think he will consider it because uh, how big is his market going to be if he's not in Denver? It's probably going to be mm-hmm. significantly smaller. So uh, that yeah. the, the restructures we could be talking about a lot, Mace. Next one coming in from LDJ. Justin Jefferson, Jeff Gladney, Ezra Cleveland, Troy Dye, Cameron Dantzler. That's a damn good draft. And how George... Uh, Peyton acquired all those picks was phenomenal. I was excited about champ Kelly, but for what we need to do draft wise and trading down to get some insurance, if drew isn't the guy, I think George is our guy. I mean, he and rich Spielman, Rick Spielman acquired an immense amount of picks in the 2020 draft. Love to see what he can turn that in number nine pick into. I believe the Vikings had 15 picks in the draft last year. Wow. That is now, an absurd amount. It, it is an absurd amount. Now, that being said, every team looks at things differently. The Broncos going into this year's draft, it's a roster that doesn't have a ton of holes compared to where it was. So you're projecting what your 53-man roster is going to look like. It might be the it might be something different this year where if George Payton is in there and is wheeling and dealing. It's about either trading up or trading down for future capital. And some of that, actually, I would say a lot of that may depend on the plan at quarterback because if they decide, okay, Drew Locke gets another year, we bring in a veteran, then you could see trading down for the accumulation of 2022 capital. But if they trade, if they like the quarterbacks in this draft, they may decide, okay, let's take some of this capital we have this year Let's move up knowing that, hey, we only have but so many spots for guys to make the team here. So we can we can make some deals and we can move around and uh, consolidate our draft our, our draft prospects here. Yeah, and we know John Elway is perfectly okay with moving around. And that may be a big decision that he's consulted on. Now, that being said, with the Vikings last year, they had four seventh round picks. Wow. And you know what? I'm thinking of it in sports writer terms. That's a nightmare. <laughs> that is a nightmare. <laughs> the, the, the cluster of seventh round picks is what those who are covering the team on a, on a beat writer basis. Trust me. It's what we hate. Yes. <laughs> yes. So please, George, get get on our good side this year and don't do that. <laughs> oh my goodness. Greendale human being morning y'all. So was it just me or the Buckeye, did the Buckeyes not watch any Alabama film before the game? Like they looked at the Heisman on the other side and said, yeah, we'll put a linebacker on him. I mean, come on. Uh, the guy played last night. Who was on your list for the ninth pick? Did anyone help or hurt their stock? 
from the game. I'm glad you mentioned that. You know, uh, when I see a linebacker on Devontae Smith, I just I wanted to, you know, I just wanted to slap some sense into Ohio State's defensive coaches. You can't do that. No. But that being, yeah, that being said, guys who hurt who hurt or helped their stock, I think certainly we addressed it earlier. Mac Jones helped his stock. I think with Justin Fields, he stood pat. I don't think he hurt it. I don't think he helped it. I think Patrick Sertan stood pat, did well, didn't help, didn't hurt. I think Sean Wade. He's somebody that may have been hurt a little bit, but he had the chance to help. I thought Sean Wade had the most to gain of any prospect in this contest, and he didn't. Yeah, Devontae Smith just made him look absolutely silly out there. So I, I agree with you on that. I think Najee Harris made it, uh, helped helped his stock. There's a legitimate conversation mm-hmm. on who's the first running back. Is it Najee Harris? Uh, is it Travis Etienne? I would, you know, obviously with my crimson colored glasses, I would go Najee Harris. He's just phenomenal. Uh, and, uh, and Devonte Smith, um, you know, he could easily be the third overall pick in the draft just with how right. incredibly dynamic he is. It, it, what he has done, he's taken a situation where it was a slam dunk that Jamar chase out of LSU was going to be the first receiver off the board. And he's made it a legitimate debate. I still think chase might get, might go, before Devonte Smith, but it's neck and neck, and uh, maybe we're talking about two wide receivers in the top five, top six picks. Yeah, something that we, I, I'd have to go back and and go through, uh, go through all the draft history books and see the last time that happened. We could be talking about that sort of scenario here atop the draft. It it, it won't be long before Devonte Smith hears his name called. But uh, Sean Wade, I come back to him because I thought Sean Wade with if he played really well last night. Could have moved into the Caleb Farley, Patrick Sertan, the second conversation. Nope. <laughs> they're, those guys, Farley and Sertan, they're up here. Wade's in that next year. Exactly, exactly. Next one coming in from DNVR for life. My boy, Zach, how about that Alabama beatdown? Let's go, baby. I have to admit, I don't follow or watch college football often, but I have watched all the college playoff games this year to form my own opinion on some of the top guys in the draft and who we could be drafting at number nine. From what I have watched, I would pick Mac Jones over Justin Fields. Let's go, baby. Yes, I watched the toughness of Justin Fields and the crazy good game he had against Clemson, but then I watched Fields against Alabama and after the first time he got hit he started to shy away from other hits and was throwing wobbly passes Justin Fields was uh, uh, Justin Fields will have hit or miss games Mac Jones is the most consistent at a high level he has really good pocket awareness and puts the ball where it needs to be for Devontae Smith and company to be able to catch it I would be on train to draft Mac Jones Sertan or a linebacker at number nine this is one of my favorite times of the year with you guys you guys provide amazing coverage of everything that goes on in the offseason I look forward to getting to know everything there is to know about the new GM when he is hired in your articles I lean on you guys for everything I need and want to know about this team have a great day boys and man i agree with you there dnvr for life i love it well thanks for the kind words dnvr for life and uh i'll say this though mac jones had a heck of a lot better group protecting him than justin fields did not you know ohio state has a good offensive line and alabama's got a an offensive line stack with clear guys who are going to be playing on on sunday he had more time to function and don't forget with Justin Fields, he did well to play through the injuries that he had in the sugar bowl. 
but he's been dealing with them for a week and a half. We heard word that he was even uh, dealing with a hit pointer. And so you're talking about the hits he's taking in that game Monday night, a, a hit pointer that's bothering him. His basically what it did was it deteriorated his footwork and and that led to some throws that were off target. He wasn't able to put as much on the ball as he would like. So yeah, I know I'm making an excuse here. I'm giving him a little of a pat, a little bit of a pass for last night. <laughs> That's not the Justin Fields that you're going to see on a regular basis. Yeah, and well, and and so the the question that people are going to have that don't want to believe Justin Fields is the number two is they're going to say, well, it wasn't just that game. He also did not look good against Northwestern. Right. And the people that believe he's the second best quarterback in the draft are going to point to the Clemson game and say, look what he did against Clemson. He made Trevor Lawrence look like a, a, a schmuck and just absolutely <laughs> dominated Clemson. So yeah, and and, and I think that uh, you know I think you may have hit it on the head, DNVR for life. He maybe more of an up and down player than some other players, but his up is certainly very good. Yeah. And you're, and with all these guys, you're evaluating the upside and can you get the consistency out of him? I mean, I think I've said this and I'll kind of repeat it here. I've seen enough to where on the Sam Howell index, he's at least entered the chat to where he, to where I'd consider taking him and having him be the guy and passing on Sam Howell a year from now, but only consider I'm, you know, with all these guys, except Trevor Lawrence, I think I, in my heart, I'd still rather have Sam Howell. So. Whew, okay. That's fair. I just don't think the Broncos, I think the Broncos are going to have a shot at one of these guys at nine. I don't right. think they're going to have any shot at Sam Howell. And that's the thing that you're considering that. Okay. Yeah. You let's say whoever they hire at GM loves Sam Howell, loves Keaton Slovis coming out of SC. Do they realistically think this team is going to be in position to get that, to, to move up and get that player? Unless you accumulate a lot of draft capital, probably not, because I think even if the Broncos struggle at the quarterback position this year, I still think they win seven or eight games minimum yep. because of the talent on the rest of the roster. Yep. Yep. Almost just like this year, I see their floor being very similar to this year, you know, five wins. It's not going to be a one win team. Well, I'm relying on not having the same rate of injuries this year as they had this past year, having a little bit of a return to normalcy in that regard. They'll have guys get hurt, but maybe not, maybe not the avalanche of players that they had get hurt. It's one reason why, frankly, if the Chargers get this coach higher, right? I like the Chargers this year because this, this coming year, because I don't, because at some point they have to have a year where they have a normal rate of injuries. Right. A league average rate. So. <laughs> it, it, they're they're it's just like statistically they're due for it, right? Yeah, you you would you would think so. And Mace, unfortunately for Broncos fans, I like the Chargers this year as well. Uh oh, uh oh, watch out, Zach. <laughs> Those ripe tomatoes are gonna be thrown at you. Well, don't worry, I don't like them more than the Chiefs. Oh no, I just keep going. Oh, <laughs> And final one coming in here from the other Ryan, my boys, what was your favorite moment from the Broncos defeating the chargers at mile high on this date in 2014 and in an AFC divisional playoff game. Mine had to be how clutch the Peyton Manning, Julius Thomas and no Sean Moreno were in converting three third downs on the game's final possession, including a 21 yard gain on third and 17 to not allow the chargers one last opportunity to tie the game to dovetail off that question and comment last week i started a new twitter account called mile 
high moments where I had been and will be posting footage of other material of past Broncos moments. Have a terrific Tuesday, DNV Army salute. All righty, good stuff. That it's funny that game against the Chargers, that playoff game. Remember, the Broncos got out to a, a comfortable lead. And then, of course, the drive that he's referring to where the Broncos get the first downs and can run out of the clock. The Broncos were up 17-0. They were up 24-7 at one point in the fourth quarter. What I always remember, though, is the Chargers coming, roaring back. Of course, it was 17-0 in the third quarter. The Chargers put 17 points on the board in the fourth quarter. And I always remember the fact that once Chris Harris Jr. went down, and Quentin Jammer entered the game. He'd been a charger for a long time, but he didn't have anything left at that point. And Philip Rivers knew it. And he started throwing at Jammer over and over. Mm. And that was a game where the Broncos really just escaped. If Chris had gotten hurt in the second quarter instead of the third, Broncos fans, I think the Chargers win that game. Uh-oh. Frightening to think about that. <laughs> Good but thing the- Chris didn't. They just managed to escape, but it was where it was. It was there where you start realizing, okay, now that defense, it's without Chris, it's without Derek Wolf. It had already been without Von Miller that, you know, they were without a bunch of guys at that point, the defense was really running on fumes mm-hmm. yeah. and, and they somehow got through the Patriot game. And then the needle went left to the slash and the card died against the Seahawks. Yeah, we don't need to relive that moment in uh, in a couple of weeks, that's for sure. Haven't we, we already relived, relived it enough this month because everyone had the flashback yep. to the first snap after the snap whiz past Ben Roethlisberger? Yep, yep. Uh, and it looked like that game was going to be even worse than Super Bowl Forty Eight, except that the Steelers were able to find some momentum, like unlike the Broncos in uh, Super Bowl Forty Eight. And then they decide to kill their own momentum by punting from midfield. Yeah, stupid, stupid. I mean, I didn't think they ever had a shot, but that certainly killed any shot. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I don't get before we, we move on? For years, Mike Tomlin was on board with going for two after the first touchdown every game. Yeah. So Mike Tomlin has taken a lot of calculated risks. He's not somebody that you would call a conservative coach in terms of his tactics. Why do that then? Why? <laughs> it may it that's part of what made no sense to me. I expect this from some coaches. I don't expect it from Mike Tomlin. I expect Mike Tomlin right. to say, let's go, let's yep. do it. Let's yep. get this first down. Yep. It oh, went I again. totally agree. It was so out of character for him. It was. It was. Yeah, you bet he's regretting that today. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> and Mace, before we get out of here, got to tell the good people about our friends over at Green Mountain Dental. We have several DNVR listeners switch over to Green Mountain Dental over the years and make them their permanent family dentistry. And they've told us how great their experience was. And they thanked us for leading them to such a wonderful practice over at Green Mountain Dental. Green Mountain Dental is only 15 minute drive from downtown Denver. And if you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam, you'll receive a free Sonicare 
care toothbrush. That's right. That's all you have to do is schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam, and you'll receive a free Sonicare toothbrush from them. And you can talk sports because they're diehard Colorado sports. So that is the perfect thing to do while you're getting your teeth cleaned is just have someone talk some Colorado sports with you. So make sure to check out Green Mountain Dental. Schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam, and you'll receive a free Sonicare toothbrush when you do. Well, Mace, that'll do it for us today. Thank you all so much for riding with us today on this GM Search 2021. We'll be keeping you up to date with everything going on. Follow us on Twitter for the up-to-date news. And of course, if anything big happens, we'll of course talk about it on the pod. We'll be live tomorrow on YouTube starting around the 8 o'clock hour. So make sure to tune in to us to get all the live updates. But for Andrew Mason, I'm Zach Stevens. Thank you so much for tuning in to the DNVR Broncos podcast and have a terrific Tuesday. Getting